I want you to help me welcome to the show uh, uh, our press secretary at FreedomWorks. And if you want to become a part of a movement, you be sure to go to FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org, and become a part of a movement that is dedicated to educating American public on the uh, realities of what has made our nation the most exceptional on the face of the earth. So help me welcome uh, to the show now my good friend and also our press secretary, Peter Vicenzi. Welcome back to the C.L. Bryant Show. How are you, friend? Hey, C.L. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me, having me on again. Really glad to have you on, Pete. Uh, and, you know, you and I, I forget what city we were in, but we were having lunch or we were having dinner. And uh, yeah. you and I, we were kicking around uh, a lot of topics that we could talk about and so forth. Uh, as far as, you know, doing radio and what have you. And you happen to mention to me a question. You have to ask a question. And it has been something that's been on my mind. It's been almost a year. Um, could the, the film Glory be made today or would it uh, come up against a lot of pushback because maybe it's not politically correct? What do you say about it? Well, first of all, you know, that's probably one of the most politically correct, historically correct um, and, you know, bigger picture movies, you know, ever made Civil War. If you're looking at everything that's ever been made, that's got to be one of those accurate presentations I um, mean, you know, there's a couple minor details people will get into, but if you're looking for, you know, the um, the black American soldiers' life in the American Civil War and kind of what happened, that's what you want to watch. I mean, it's an excellent film you've talked about. It's got, you know, it's rare that you have a movie with all these big stars in it that's actually good to be uh, to, to start with. But, uh, you know, just you're talking about FreedomWorks, you know, place we both work. FreedomWorks activists, or, um, you know, the people in glory would have been a freedom works activists these days, I think. Yeah. 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 You know, you're right. Uh, as far as that's concerned, uh, Pete, I think you're absolutely right. As far as that's concerned. Um, let me ask you this then let's sort of identify who the Buffalo soldier is, was how they get the name Pete. You've done some research on this. So talk to us about who, the Buffalo Soldier was, and were they? You already mentioned that they were depicted correctly in the movie Glory, but there was a broader uh, uh, mission that the Buffalo Soldier uh, was about as well. Talk to us a little bit about him. So yeah, you, you're, you almost got it right there, CL. Um, but we got to take this one step back. Uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, the, the ones you're talking about, so they were the uh, uh, black soldiers who served in the U.S. Cavalry, the uh, 10th and 9th Cavalry Regiments in the Indian Wars. You know, what we're talking about, fighting out west, uh, with, you think of fighting against the Indians, building forts, protecting settlers, stuff like that. That's what the, uh, you know, we know the Buffalo Soldiers today. Uh, but just to, we'll get back to them in a sec, but to take a step back, we got to look back to the, the American Civil War, and that's where, you know, glory comes in. Uh, and these... At the outset of the Civil War, you didn't really see black soldiers serving in the Union Army. Uh, that's, you know, due to the prejudices of the time. Uh, many in Congress didn't want blacks serving alongside white soldiers. Lots of reasons for that they gave back then. Um, you know, much of it just grounded in, uh, in race. But at, as the years went on, finally, uh, you know, people came around to the idea of, you know, having uh, black soldiers serve in the Union Army. 
And some of the first people pushing this were people like Frederick Douglass, uh, you know, one of one of the first Republicans, one of the best Republicans, in my opinion. And he said something that I remember uh, goes along like, uh, once let the black man get upon his person, the brass letter U.S., let him get an eagle on his button and a musket on his shoulder and bullets in his pocket. There is no power on earth that can deny that he has earned the right to citizenship. Now, he's talking about, he's talking about their black soldiers serving in the Union Army. And finally, Congress gives the approval uh, for the Union Army to start raising regiments of black troops. Now, it's not like today where you have, uh, you know, um, a, a desegregated army and everyone can serve alongside each other. These were regiments of uh, black soldiers led by white officers. And, I'm, you know, if you've seen the movie Glory, you're familiar with that. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Lincoln ends up crediting these guys with, you know, helping turn the course of the war. Because, you know, the American Civil War, you know, tremendous casualties on both sides. By the end of the war, uh, what we call the U.S. Color Troops, which were these regiments of black soldiers, they were essentially the shock troops of the Union Army. And they're, you know, Grant credits them as some of the best depth disciplined soldiers in the Union Army by the end of the war. So you can really point to them as helping turn the course of the war. And, you know, in my opinion, they embody, you know, what this war is being fought for. Uh, on the side of the union i mean they're in some cases literally soldiers off to free their families who the people who have fled slavery and come back um as they say in glory come back fighting men uh who are you know there to liberate and to you know restore the union and when but, we pete let me ask you this yeah. let me ask you this because i want to interject this into mm-hmm. this conversation when we think about the film the movie glory uh, of course, you had uh, someone, Denzel Washington played this character. He played a character who was uh, an escaped slave. Uh, he was angry, but he found pride in exactly what Frederick Douglass said he would find pride in. And that is the fact that he was able to contribute to his own freedom. Is that still the thing that uh, I think when we talk, not, even if you're not in the military, but I'm talking about activists that we have throughout the nation as uh, uh, two, two people who uh, work with Freedom Works. Isn't that still very important to the American story to actually contribute to your own freedom and liberty? Talk to us. Of course it is, CL, and, you know, it's about enabling people to do that. Uh, I'll go back to another um, Frederick Douglass quote, uh, quote that I know. Um, it starts as, uh, there is no Negro problem. The problem is whether the American people have loyalty enough, enough, or honor enough, patriotism enough to live up to their own constitution. Not the founding ideals right there. Uh, the, you know, the the whole idea of our constitution that all men are created equal. And in Denzel's case, in glory, he is fighting to, you know, ensure that all men are created equal. I mean, that's the um, uh, people talk about how slavery is the original sin of the United States. And they're, you know, they're correct about that. And like I said, uh, you know, the black soldiers, the U.S. colored troops and the U.S. Civil War are kind of the, the manifestation of that fight. I mean, they're literally man fighting to set his brethren free. 
Absolutely. And folks, that is still the fight, whether you're and certainly we want to glorify and we want to buy a meal every time you run into uh, one of our men and women in blue in a restaurant, pick up the tab uh, for them, uh, do that type of thing. But I'm talking we're talking expanding that to you, the Americans. Liberty and freedom is still something that is necessary to be fought for and to be won, to be gained. You know, uh, Pete, uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned on uh, both of your, your statements uh, Frederick Douglass as well uh, as uh, he was a great friend of Lincoln. He was a great friend of the uh, movement to give women the right to vote uh, and, and all of that. And the statements that he's making now do you think that somebody like Douglas, and of course, uh, full disclosure, Peter grew up uh, in a white family. I grew up in a black family, but we're having this conversation together because it builds the bridge. This is the conversation that America White and black, whatever color scheme you happen to be, and it's a shame that we have to always refer to each other in that way. But since we do, uh, for the sake of conversation, this is the conversation that America should be having. And Peter, why don't we have this conversation? What is political correctness? Where did it come from? And is it poisoning our American um, ability to converse? Uh, well, to answer your last question, I think it definitely is, and I think that you hear the most political, the most calls for political correctness uh, coming from people who themselves aren't political, politically correct. You know, they're putting on a charade. The people who I've heard in my own experience—I mean, I grew up in Deep Blue, Maryland. I went to a liberal arts school. The people who talk about political correctness are rich white folks. That's what I've uh, seen, you know, across the board every time. And these are people who, uh, you know, would treat a black person differently when they came in the room purely because of the color of their skin. It's where you get all the things about, uh, you know, tokenism and treating people differently, like literally just because of how they look. But you see that, I think, it's still an anecdote, but I think most people would agree with me. You see that most often from, uh, you know, wealthy white liberals. They are the biggest hypocrites on the planet white liberals are the biggest hypocrites on the planet and you know who goes along with the white liberal as the biggest hypocrite on the planet the black liberal is also the biggest maxine waters is the biggest hypocrite one of them on the planet why because that's the tent that liberals live under it's a tent of hypocrisy pete i think we saw a little bit of that uh when we uh going down this rabbit trail when we saw the impeachment of the president uh that we saw the hypocrisy everywhere and friends when we talk about the attitude of liberals toward black people i have experienced what peter has talked about my guest is peter vicenzi who is on with me press secretary for freedom works uh, the world's most renowned united states most renowned grassroots activist 
organization. Go to freedomworks.org. But Pete, I saw what you uh, identified when I, in some places that I still go today, if I go to the Northeast, I can walk into a room and I know, I know that they're treating me in such a way. I mean, it may be good. It may be bad. What have you, but they actually treat me differently just because I happen to be black. Conversations change just because I happen to be black. And I'm thinking that until we are able to change that, uh, we will continue to have the problem. Is it possible that uh, you're uh, many years younger than I am? Your dad and I are in the same age bracket, so you're as young as my son. You and my son are in the same age bracket. Is that going? Are you all going to change this, Peter, and how are we going to do it? Hey, we... uh... Well, you know, the, the best thing I can tell people is, hey, read your history. That's what I've told people for years. I mean, I told people that in college. The people who are, you know, purport themselves to be the most politically correct are usually the ones who've never cracked the history book. They couldn't have told you any of the stuff we were just talking about, about the U.S. Uh, college troops during the Civil War. It's because they don't, they simply don't understand context. And, you know, in my opinion, I, it seems to me, I, I've got plenty of, you know, very smart liberal friends, but you have plenty of, uh, but most conservatives understand the founding ideals of this nation and how they, you know, there's no racial lines for that. There's no identity politics in any of that. It's all about the individual and the content of their character. And that's what makes us the, the, the different country in the world, the best country in the world, because of our founding beliefs. And by engaging in identity politics, you take the best part of America and throw it out the window. You know this, CL. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Pete? I, I think uh, you, you've touched upon something uh, that we really do need to have, and that is a Freedom Works forum that will broach this particular topic with young people, people my age, black people, white people. We need to have a Freedom Works forum. And wherever you are, you might need to put together a forum of your own and so that you can have a conversation. But you know what the problem is, folks? We have become so politically correct, we can't talk to one another anymore without becoming offended. And uh, we, we just can't. And it's, 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 it's really a handicap that we have placed up on ourselves. Peter, let me ask you this. Um, as far as American history, and I know that history is often told by the people who are in power and all that type of thing. We understand that. Uh, the Native American story would be a totally different story in our history books if it was told by Native Americans. But uh, if we were to analyze why the black soldier, the the soldier that we saw portrayed in glory, uh, why is their story not told uh, as forthrightly as some other stories? In your opinion, why do you think that is? You know, know, I think a lot of it does have to do with um, uh, with Reconstruction, the way that Reconstruction ended up in the late 19th century. I mean, you... uh, there's there's too much going on the killing reconstruction and was it uh, 1879 and it and it didn't go through as it was supposed to as uh well lincoln wanted to i mean it, of course you know lincoln unfortunately is, is assassinated in the last couple months of the war on you know on good friday mind you you know take a look at that for what it's worth but uh it there are too many inherent how reconstruction played out that Let's do this. You might have heard um, the lost cause 
You're breaking uh, you, up. You're breaking up. Or, you're breaking up a little bit on me. On me there, Peter. Uh, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. you got, you, got you real good there. You've heard of the uh, the, the the lost cause? Yes. It's a kind of viewpoint of the war. It's just, it, it is a revisionist. People talk about revisionist history today, uh, about you know the uh, liberals are changing how we view our history, which is definitely true to some extent. But there's also revisionism when you talk about the American Civil War. Most of the, a lot of the views that we have been ingrained in American culture about the American Civil War actually came about as a reaction to the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s. It's and that's where you lose these stories about the contributions of black Americans during the Civil War, like the U.S. color troops, like the 54th Massachusetts, with Connecticut, who my friend's uh, you know grandfather served, or great-great-great-grandfather served. Hold that thought right there. Hold that thought right there. Peter Vicenzi, we run up against the clock. Uh, you're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant. We're on with Freedom Works. Peter Vicenzi, when we return, we will continue. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL, back with you on this great day. In the USA, we have been on with my colleague, FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org. If you want to become a part of a movement, be sure to go to FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org, and become a part of uh, the nation's most effective, active grassroots organization. That is FreedomWorks. We have uh, its press secretary on with us, and we have... uh, been talking about the uh, soldier, the the colored troop soldiers back in the Civil War era and why their story uh, has not been told as accurately as uh, it was told in uh, glory. And why isn't it told for um, American young people so that we can understand that the contribution that was made by black soldiers and black people in particular uh, has been just as precious and important to this country as the contributions of any other soldier uh, that has uh, been uh, on the front lines or fighting wars for this country. And so, Peter, let's continue with uh, this conversation. You were mentioning to us that you have a friend whose um, grandfather, a great grandfather, may have ser- did serve in the Ma- in Massachusetts. Uh, what was that? The 49th? Uh, talk to us about that. Or- 
So he actually, yeah, this is a friend. I, I, I used to do uh, a lot of Civil War reacting back in college and high school, which is, you know, a very interesting time in my life. But uh, one of my friends from that, his, uh, actually a white guy, his uh, great, great, great uh, grandfather, I believe, served, I believe, in the 29th Connecticut uh, U.S. Civil Troops. He was actually one of the white officers in the uh, in that regiment. But he's, you know, read his letters and goes to the African Civil War monument here in D.C. and you can actually find his name on there along with the uh, the comrades. The, the guy survived the war and everything, but uh, you know this is how I learned uh, so much about this. You know, it sparked my interest into reading up on you know kind of these uh, in many ways forgotten uh, regiments in our you know our national heritage. It's important to keep remembering. But still, let me go back to what we were talking about way earlier in the program, and we were talking about could glory be made today and i want to be honest i can i i'd say no do you agree i i would agree with you on that peter because we would have to get through all of the loopholes of how it would make someone today how long ago it was 30 how long was it 20 years ago 25 30 years ago yeah yeah Yeah. and so we're, we're talking 30 years ago that this movie was made and pete this is the interesting thing about 30 years ago and today somehow our feelings have become more sensitive than they were 30 years ago toward race I don't understand it. How is it that a movie like Glory could be made 30 years ago, but it could not be made in the year 2020 without political backlash? Does that speak to something, Peter? And give us let's let's talk about what does that speak to? I think it speaks to a sort of regression in our political landscape, in our national landscape, and certainly in our personal uh, lands, uh, uh, way that we treat each other as Americans. Talk to us about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the first thing I can think about is what's the end of that movie, or before the very end, what's the, in the final battle, what's Denzel doing when he gets killed? He's, He's holding up the flag. American flag. He's got the flag, holding- yeah, man. <laughs> wait, wait, are you allowed to do that in a movie now? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially, you know, uh, coming from Denzel, you, I could see people being pissed about how that movie ends, saying that, oh, he would never have done that for a nation that hates him. But he does that, and it, half that regiment died fighting the, the freedoms they enjoy under the Constitution for our founding documents. And you, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. You know what, Pete? I, I hadn't thought about that. You know, uh, he, the, the cannons blew him away for sure. Uh, when, 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 the, when the gates opened, swung open, the cannons blew him away. But Denzel was charging down the throat of that cannon with the American flag. You know what? You're right, Pete. If, in fact, that scene was shot today... Denzel would be labeled an Uncle Tom. It, it's just it's just sad to think about. And, and this is the conversation, folks. Whether, whether you are ready for it or not, this is the conversation 
that has to be had. What has changed in America from then until now? Listen, man, I went to see this film at the theater. My wife and I, Jane, went to see this this film at the, uh, at the, at the theaters. There were black people. There were white people. There were all types of people there. Listen. That scene, red, yellow, black, and white, whoever you were in the movie house brought tears to the eye. It did. Now it brings contempt. Pete, we have to turn this around. What can we do? What can we do on college campuses? Are young people open for this type of thing? Talk to us. Hey, young people are always open. Most of their minds are empty enough to be a blank canvas. You know, I know enough people. <laughs> but, uh, we got, look at me. <laughs> but, um, no, hey, you know, you got to do, you got to get organized. Do what the left has done. The left gets organized and they get, they get organized at younger ages. You know, we have to start organizing and, you know, having our, you know, people join groups that make sense. Join groups like Young Americans for Liberty. Hell, even join your, uh, your uh, college Republicans group because they're the only people who are going to stick up for these kind of things on college campuses. You know, when we, uh, Pete, I want you to stay with me even through the break. Got about seven minutes left in uh, this um, segment here. We have a lot to talk about. I want to close out our discussion on the uh, black civil rights soldier. And I want to touch now briefly on the Buffalo soldier uh, as far as his contribution was concerned to America. I've seen, uh, I think it's in Birmingham. Is it Birmingham, Alabama? I've seen one of the gr- a great monument. Huntsville, it's Huntsville, Alabama, that I saw a great monument uh, to the uh, Buffalo Soldier there. You talked about the National Monument there in D.C. where you are. Um, give us an idea of uh, that Buffalo soldier and the times where he lived in many American soldiers when they returned from Afghanistan. I know this happened to the Vietnam soldier uh, when they came back from Vietnam. Is what the, the Buffalo soldier was not welcome in some places, as you were saying about the segregated uh, troops in World War One and Two, uh, before um, Truman integrated the the the, uh, the military. Uh, is that something that people in America have always been prone to do is take out frustrations on the uniformed of, uh, representative of the American uh, government? Talk to us about that. I know that you like to study this type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's something that we've seen time and time again in American history. But, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just to be clear, Buffalo soldiers are the, they were U.S. cavalry soldiers who served out west in Indian country during the Indian Wars, uh, late 19th century after the Civil War. And they had their precursors in the U.S. color troops that we just, you know, we talked about. But the Buffalo soldiers were cavalry who, you know, fought the Indian Wars. They built forts. They protected settlers. And also, you know, they also protected Indians against other Indians or settlers, things like that. They basically were federal troops out in the West. And these are the guys who fought in uh, Cuba during the Spanish-American War who helped uh, Teddy Roosevelt storm San Juan Hill. They covered him, actually, while he, he did that. He helped, they helped him take it. Uh, and these are the same guys who took part in the Pancho Villa raid. But the reason a lot of them actually served was because of prejudice that they found in their own communities, because a lot of them came from the American South during Reconstruction. And the reason a lot of them joined the Buffalo Soldiers, these uh, like the 10th and 9th 
uh, U.S. Cavalry regiments is because they were guaranteed certain rights under the U.S. Constitution that weren't, uh, uh, you know, enforced in the uh, anti in the uh, postbellum South. And this, my friends, is why we need to have this conversation. What if liberals were telling this story? They would tell it from a standpoint of victimhood. The standpoint that Peter and I are trying to tell this story from is a standpoint of victory and victorious. Uh, it, it is all contributed, being victorious, it is all contributed to the strength of America. Peter, you are a millennial, and uh, I want to ask you um, this question then. When we talk about uh, how to get across a message, is it important for us to understand the workings of uh, social media? Is it important to engage one another, people in my age bracket, to engage with you in your age bracket on social media? How important is that? I have about three minutes left in this segment, but I want you to stay with me. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's important to be on social media and be engaged, especially, you know, the thing we do at FreedomWorks for Hoden, you, you have to hold your elected officials accountable. If you see them posting stuff that you don't like, you let them know about it. Hey, you, you're their constituent. You got to let them know. But it's also important, you know, just if you see stuff on your Facebook that you think is wrong, call it out. You know, make sure you're right, but call it out. I, too many people get away with complete BS on their uh, their Facebook feed you know, uh, filling everything with lies that, and no one calls them out on. I see it every day. I see it from, you know, my friends. And of course there's people you never want to talk to or comment on, but you know, you got to put people in their place sometimes. And sometimes folks, that's exactly what must occur. Peter, when we return after the break, I'm on with Peter Vicenzi, uh, the press secretary for FreedomWorks. Go to freedomworks.org and become a part of a movement. And when we come back after uh, the break, Peter and I are going to talk about some things that are going on at FreedomWorks and some things that uh, you might want to go to that website and find out how to become involved with, especially if you're living up there in the Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. Uh, you might want to become a part of some of the things that are going on. You certainly want to tune in to the um, uh, newsletters and the news releases that FreedomWorks has. And Peter is the person who can hook you up and tell you how to get involved with that. And we're going to talk about that when I return with more of the C.L. Bryant Show right here coast to coast and border to border throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. I want to remind you all that if you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, right above that iconic building is the Red State Talk billboard. And every hour on the hour, the CL, well, not on the hour, but every hour in the hour, the CL Bryant show pops up there on that billboard. And old CL's face is looking right back at you there in Times Square, just about a block and a half from where they drop the ball in Times Square. Hey, friends, I'm going to tell you one more time be sure. 
to download free the C.L. Bryant Show app onto your favorite device. If you don't get both hours of the show, be sure to listen to it on the C.L. Bryant Show app. T-H-E, the C.L. Bryant Show app. We're going to return after these brief words, after the top of the hour, with Peter Vicenzi, who is the secretary, press secretary for FreedomWorks, Washington, D.C., FreedomWorks.org. I'm C.L. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm just a pilgrim on this road. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. And that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us for the second hour of the C.L. Bryant Show. And if you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryant Show, download free the C.L. Bryant Show app onto your favorite device and listen to us wherever you go. All the shows are archived right there on the C.L. Bryant Show app. And so Thank you for coming along with us. Follow me on Twitter at Rev, R-E-V, C-L Bryant, at Rev C-L Bryant. Tell a friend about the show. We uh, want to thank you for helping us become so popular over the most listened to talk platform in the country. That's Red State, Red State Talk Radio. And uh, I have been on, uh, last hour, uh, I was on with Peter Vicenzi, who is the press secretary for Freedom Works Washington D.C., uh, an organization I've been associated with now for over ten years, and um, Peter is doing a great job as our uh, press secretary. And uh, I want to continue a conversation that he and I have been having. And be sure to go to FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks dot org, FreedomWorks dot org, and find out how to become a part of a movement that is educating and mobilizing the largest grassroots activist uh, movement in uh, the nation. Peter, I want to uh, talk now about um, what FreedomWorks is, what it is that uh, we should be 
paying attention to as far as the work of an organization like Freedom Work? And give us a, an idea of what your role is with Freedom Works. Well, thanks, y'all. I'm always happy to talk about this. Give our mission. Hey, so Freedom Works, if y'all aren't familiar with it, is the nation's largest conservative grassroots activist organization in the country. We've got over 6 million people coast to coast, and we're here dedicated to the issues of small government, lower taxes, individual liberty, and the American rule of law. You know, that's an important one these days. We saw that with the impeachment sham they tried to pull on President Trump. We saw that with uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. You know, the left is mobilized and here to try to destroy our national institutions and our norms, our way of life. And, you know, we're here to stop them. But you can use all your help if you log on to www.freedomworks.org. Uh, you'll see me on there. I handle our press and media. I uh, do a lot of our written work. Um, you, you'll see anything I, you know, I write on that website. But you know, we'd have be happy to have anyone on on there with us. Uh, we will be your eyes and ears in Washington D.C., and we will help you hold your member of Congress uh, accountable. Absolutely. And you know what, folks, uh, when we think about uh, what is at stake here now uh, for us in the year 2020, uh, Peter, are we uh, as conservatives um, running the risk of becoming lackadaisical because of the uh, disarray that the Democrats seem to find themselves in? Or is there a growing concern over our country's future that will and should cause others to become a part of a, a mammoth organization like Freedom Works? Uh, give us uh, your take as press secretary on the pulse of, of America. What's the temperature like in the country right now? Talk to us. Uh, it, it might be, you know, it might be February, but it's hot as always. <laughs> hey, you know, it's cold out there in, uh, out in the plains in, uh, in Colorado, or I guess you're up in the mountains now if you're in Denver. It's, you know, we, the left is mobilized, and we saw it with impeachment. I was in on Capitol Hill uh, during the impeachment sham, and we saw that the left was busing in people, you know, every day. These are people they found... You know, they're paid protesters that they bring out. Our own people are out there, our Freedom Works activists who do this on their own accord and come out because they're here to defend liberty. Uh, we're out there and they were, the left tried to intimidate them. They tried to start fights with them. We had to have a Capitol Police escort because we were simply walking around trying to visit our own members of Congress and telling them how we felt about the issue of impeachment. The left had people out there who were standing in hallways, heckling us, staring at us, like, you know, intimidatingly. Uh, they wouldn't let us eat lunch alone. They had to come over and harass us. You know, I can tell that they're out in force and they're ready to try to steal this election away after President Trump inevitably wins it, which means that we all have to be at the polls on uh, on Election Day. You know, you know, Peter, what you have just said, you know, a lot of people don't take that seriously as far as the left actually bringing in, busing in uh, their own protesters, people who are brought in to create rabble, folks. They, they do this. You know, Peter, when I look at the contrast between how we would treat them and the way they treat us, I don't see how people with any eyes to see or ears to hear can mistake 
the, the, the stark difference between the mobilization of Democrats and the steady march to uh, a certain drumbeat that we're, we're conservatives are hearing now, uh, there is a marked difference. That's real. The, the Dems are actually pulling out all the stops. Talk to us about that. Hey, they're going to try to oppose anyone who is, you know, uh, put up for office these days. They're going to they're going to fight back against anything good that President Trump tries to push through uh, for this country. You saw it since day one, but they're on year three of this. They're getting desperate, and you just got to wonder what's next. You got to wonder what is next. And folks, uh, later on the show, uh, we're going to talk about that because uh, hopefully this time next year. We will not be talking about Speaker Pelosi. We'll be either talking about Speaker Jim Jordan or uh, maybe uh, who knows. That, that, that's the one I'm going to put out there. <laughs> OK, that's what, I'm gonna, that, that's what I'm going to put out. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to even mention. I'm not going to even say anything uh, as far as the other one named Kevin is concerned. I'm not going to even mention that. But uh, but just the same, uh, we would love to see a Speaker Jordan. And that's going to be part of our fight here uh, real soon after uh, 2020 election is uh, who will be the Republican Speaker of the House. That's going to be uh, a a pretty good contest. I certainly hope it is. But, Peter, uh, when we look at uh, young people's involvement in this 2020 race, of course, I'm a part of Black Voices for Trump. But, of course, we have all types of age groups who are a part of that. But let's talk specifically about young people. Would they be out of their minds not to vote for this president? Talk to us. Hey, if you care about having a job and making money, I'd be voting for this president. I mean, <laughs> the, the Democrats might uh, you know, promise you a check in the mail every month, but you, we all know how socialism works. That, that doesn't actually you, – eventually you run out of money, right? Other people's money. Hey, there's a good reason to, you know, to keep voting for uh, you know, Republicans, vote for, uh, vote for President Trump. And, I mean, if anything, it's – You've seen how the left is acting. I mean, they want to destroy everything about this country that, you know, we all hold dear. I mean, they, they yeah. want you to be on every – they want everyone to be on a government program for something. Yeah. No <laughs> you can't pick your damn, like, your, uh, you know, which restaurant you're going to get at or what, what health care you get. Where are you going to go to school? It's all going to be on a government program and some, some mindless bureaucrat. In Washington D.C. is going to pick that for you. Do you really want that? I mean, this is this has been their playbook, but it's actually you say, look who's in, look who is the front runner right now for the Democrats. It's Bernie Sanders, the guy who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. What yeah. more do I have to say there? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know that that leads me to ask you this, Pete. Especially you being uh, in the uh, right on the well, you're on the verge of leaving the millennial generation. But just the same, uh, <laughs> going to be a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but just the same. Let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this then. What is the appeal of socialism? to the millennial crowd. I saw a poll that was disturbing uh, a couple of weeks ago that said more millennials uh, are leaning toward and in favor of a socialist brand 
of government. Peter, that, that, that's frightening. What is the appeal? What's the attraction? Do they understand it? Do they understand what's being said here? Talk to us about why is this so appealing right now? Why is Bernie Sanders even a front runner? Mm. Well, I mean, that's the age old question. Is why do these, you know, younger people enjoy socialism? And, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's like, crack a book. Have you seen how this has acted on the rest of the world? How many, you know, millions of people have, are dead now because of such an ideology, such a destructive ideology? Look at China. Look at Russia. They're both, you know, are and or were socialist states. This is the most destructive ideology the world has ever seen, and it brings nothing but misery, but promises, you know, utopia. We're never going to achieve that. And this has come home to America now. I mean, we're seeing it, just like I said, with uh, Bernie Sanders, who's now an avowed socialist. Hey, I you know it's almost like a broken record when Republicans call Democrat socialists yeah. every year at the box office. All right, if you have the ballot, the ballot box, not the box office. <laughs> Probably the same thing, though, because you look at Hollywood. But um, you, uh, it's this time it's true. Look who's the front runner. Yeah, it is true. This time it is true. And you know what, uh, Peter. Um, we had talked about folks we have covered a, a gamut of things. And in case you're just tuning in, uh, you definitely want to uh, hear uh, this show. And I believe this show will be replayed on replayed on Thursday. Of course, we're live here uh, today, Monday. But uh, we, this show will be replayed on Thursday. And if you missed uh, this show, if you missed any portion of it, be sure to grab the replay on Thursday. We, we've been on with Peter Vicenzi, who is the secretary, press secretary for Freedom Works, Washington, D.C., uh, the nation's largest grassroots organization. We boast over six million activists throughout our country nationwide and um, Peter has been on with us we talked about this and I want you to think about this because I'm sure that I'm going to be on some other programs speaking about this here in the very near future but this raises a question we raised the question could a film like glory be made today 2020 and when we come back after the break we're going to talk about that and why it could not. Peter and I have talked about that. Peter, I have about uh, four minutes left in this segment with you, and I'm going to give you uh, a couple of minutes here to tell the folks uh, all of the contact methods to get in touch with Freedom Works and give us some of the things that's going on uh, in the organization and with the organization here coming up in the near future. Talk to us. Yeah, thanks, Neil. So, uh, you know, FreedomWorks, you know, we're the nation's largest conservative, uh, small government grassroots organization in the country. We are dedicated to issues of small government, lower taxes, individual liberty, and the American rule of law, the most important thing these days. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can find us at www.freedomworks.org. You can find us on Twitter at FreedomWorks. And same thing on Facebook. Uh, you know, come check us out. We'd be happy to uh, help be your eyes and ears in Washington, D.C., as we work to hold your member of Congress 
Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Peter. And uh, listen, God bless you and God keep you. Peter Vicenzi, I want you to uh, continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are. Uh, the next person from Freedom Works that I need on with me, Pete, is Noah Wall. Get Noah Wall on me. I had uh, had Adam on a couple of weeks ago. Adam was on with me a couple of weeks ago. And uh, if you didn't, I think I sent that uh, clip to to uh, you all. But uh, I want to have on with us more and more people from this organization. And of course, Black Lives uh, Black Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Black Voices for Oh my goodness, that was a Freudian. That was certainly Freudian. Uh, Black Voices for Trump. Uh, want to have uh, us on more and more here on the C.L. Bryan Show. But, Peter, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on with us here today. Fight the good fight, man, uh, and I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks a lot. 